are listening to the Mile Straight podcast. For more information on Mile Straight or to watch a video version of this podcast, visit www.milestraightbc.org. The speaker for today is our senior pastor, Tom Goss.
Well, good morning. We are so glad that you have uh, decided to worship with us this morning. If you are our guest right in front of you, you will find a QR code that you can actually just scan with your phone, and that'll uh, pop up a little connection card that you could fill out for us, and we would love to know that you are here uh, worshiping with us this morning. Before we start, let's pray. Lord, we come to you this morning, and Lord, we just thank you for everything that you have done. Lord, today as we have come together, Lord, I pray that we will um, be encouraged. I pray that we would glorify your name. And Lord, I pray that we would see you new in a fresh way today. And Lord, I thank you for what we're going to hear, to know that we are sinful creatures, but you have given a way for us to be with you for all of eternity. And Lord, we are grateful for you for that. So today, Lord... Help us to lift your name. Help us to worship you. And help us to go out here boldly proclaiming you to our streets and to our nation. Lord, we thank you for everything that you are doing. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us this morning as we begin to sing? You and I were made to worship. So sing that with us here this morning.
to give honor and glory to the one above. It is nothing of ourselves, and it is all about Him. Today, all the music we just sang, we're forgiven and we're free. All the music leads us to the passage this morning to remind us, and I think it's good that we are reminded each and every day just who we are without God. Because without Him, we are absolutely nothing. But with God, we have eternity. We have eternal life in heaven with Him. And to see what He has done for each and every one of us. So sing this with us this morning. One day when heaven, what a day that is going to be.
what a day that is going to be. When we will see our Jesus face to face for all of eternity. Amen? Amen. I want us as the body of Christ, I want us to remind ourselves this morning but of a few verses, and, and we can look all through Scripture and see verse after verse after verse that tells us what He has done for us. But I've picked three verses this morning that I want us to read together to remind ourselves of what He has done for us that we can never get past. So if you would, look to the screen, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Would you read this with us? For the sake He made Him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Ephesians 1, 7 says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace. And 1 Peter 2, 24 says these beautiful words, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed.
You may be seated. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Well, if you would, grab something on which you can take notes. Uh, if you have our study guide, that's perfect. If not, anything will do. We're going to be looking at a prophetic passage of Scripture this morning. Prophetic means that it was something that was told would take place a long time prior or at least prior to the fact that it did take place, a time when it did take place. This particular passage was talked about regarding the person of Jesus Christ hundreds of years before he would even be born. Now, the reason I say that is because it was a purposeful statement to help me remember to do something else. I have to do that these days. I have to give myself clues to help me remember to do things. And so what I'm hoping to remember before it slips my mind is that next Sunday evening we're going to have with us Jimmy DeYoung. Now, Jimmy DeYoung, if you're not familiar with him, is a student of prophecy, a, an incredibly gifted man. He has spent much time even living in Israel, talking with the religious and political leaders there, has taught with religious and political leaders around the world, in fact, and has a great deal to share with us. And I wish next Sunday evening, if it's at all possible for you, 630 you would plan to be here. Just lay your calendar aside and be here. You will get something from it. Now let me tell you this. He is very clearly a pre-tribulation uh, version of end time events. So if that offends you, if, if that's not where you stand, I totally get it. We have differing opinions. That's perfectly fine. Nothing wrong with that. If that offends you, this may not be for you. But otherwise, if you want to hear some things that he's going to teach us, then I would encourage you strongly to come and see what this is all about. I think you will be greatly blessed. I think you will learn a lot uh, through his teaching. We're just going to have a brief introduction. We're going to turn it over to him and let him take off. So uh, please plan to be with us. I was uh, reading, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it was Mike and Kim Higdon who posted on their Facebook page, uh, Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 6. And as I was reading that verse, it struck me. Now, I've read that verse hundreds, if not thousands of times in my life. I've listened to it. I've, I've studied it. I've, I've taught it. I've had it taught to me on many occasions. And yet, for some reason, on this day, when I was reading that verse, 
it really struck me hard. And I began studying. And I changed. I'd already set a series to start today. And uh, as a result of that particular encounter with God's Word, I changed the study in order to uh, draw some thoughts out of this, uh, this verse as well as the two that proceeded this morning. Um, what I'm calling this study, and I, I really wish upon hindsight I could go back and change the title because I wish I could direct our thoughts somewhere completely different. But since I've given it this title, we will still follow this pursuit to some degree. I've called it Biblical Irony. Biblical Irony. Uh, there are times in the Word of God when things are ironic. I don't believe, in fact, I know for a fact that it's not ironic to God. Irony means that um, the expected differs radically from the actual event or, or what actually occurs, what actually comes about. And I don't think there's at any point when God is caught off guard, I know there's never a point like that, when he's surprised at way it to the way things ended. It's, it's not that God's sitting in heaven and saying, wow, I, boy, I didn't see that coming. You know. But irony is one of those things that we find in Scripture that relates to us as humans. We expect certain things to occur in Scripture. We expect certain things to come out of Scripture. We expect, because we know other portions of Scripture, we expect the ending to be drastically different than it is. To give you an illustration of irony, just so you've got this in your mind, I was at a particular gathering one evening. There was probably 60, 50, 60, maybe 70 people there. I don't really know. And it was probably three or four years ago. I told the audience in the first service <clears throat> that, unfortunately, I'm getting to the place where I can't determine how long ago something happened. Friday evening, we were sitting at my mother and sister's house, and uh, I said, this is something that happened, oh, it's probably four or five years ago. My wife looked it up, it was 13 years ago. You know, okay, so I'm getting older, and uh, things are slipping, that's one of them. So this could have occurred 10 years ago or 20 years ago, but I think it was four or five years ago, okay, so I'll just... Throw that out for your understanding. But it was a small gathering. It was a small environment. So, you know, you were in close proximity to people. Someone walked in the door who had made it known that they didn't like me. And to be honest with you, I'm, I'm awkward in those type situations anyway. I'm just not extremely outgoing. And when, when that person came in, the awkward level of me jumped out the roof. All of a sudden, you know, it's just, oh, my goodness. And I'm running through scenarios. Okay, what's going to happen? This is my brain working. You know, what's going to take place? What am I going to do if this happens? What am I going to do if this happens? What am I going to say if, if they become aggressive? You know, how am I going to get out of this situation? And I'm trying to think through everything that could happen. There's one expectation of what's going to take place when we finally run into each other. And there's no way we're not going to run into each other. The, the, the environment is small enough and there's few enough people that eventually we're going to meet up here. And so what's going to take place? Amazingly, when the, the meeting finally happened, 
this person that I expected to unload on me grabbed me, hugged me around the neck, and said, I am so sorry. Totally different from what I expected. Talking about ironic. <laughs> I expected one outcome, and it was radically different from what, what I had expected. That's irony. We're going to see that play out to some degree in this passage. In fact, as we look at Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 through 6, we're going to see some of these thoughts come out. And we'll look at those at the very end of our study. I'm not going to interrupt the study to bring them out one by one. But when we get to the end, we'll kind of pull those out and look at them uh, to some degree. We'll, we'll see how far that goes. Let me read the verses to you. Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 through 6 says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So I want to go at these verses one at a time and just give us a little bit of insight into them. And so if you're taking notes, write these first two words down. Grief and stricken. The two words, grief and stricken. So number one is grief stricken. Now I know these words play together pretty well. That there are times when someone has lost a loved one, we'll say of that person, that person is so grief-stricken. In other words, they're so burdened by the loss that they've experienced. Grief-stricken. But what I want you to see today, when we talk about grief and stricken, we're talking about these words in separate instances. We're talking about these words applying to different parties, in fact. Let me read verse 4 to you again. Surely He, Jesus Christ, has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Okay, so we have to set the stage by understanding that it is our grief and our sorrow that Jesus Christ carried to the cross. Now, when the Bible talks about grief and sorrow here, it's giving us an indication of a disease, a sickness. A lot of times it's referred to, it's used when referring to leprosy or some other terrible disease. God is showing us that Jesus Christ carried our sickness to the cross. Now, it should be no surprise to us that disease and sickness happens. I mean, we understand very clearly in this life there are those things. And why are they here? The Bible tells us that by one man, sin entered the world. That man, of course, was Adam. And death followed because all have sinned. So in other words, he's showing us the truth that sin brings about death. That man was placed in the Garden of Eden and intended to live forever, but man chose to rebel against God. Man sinned against God and plunged mankind into sinfulness. And therefore, death has now swept across all. The curse of sin is on, on this world, and we live in this sin-cursed world, and as a result... We will someday die if Jesus Christ does not return first. We know that. It's factual. And yet it says that Jesus bore our griefs and sorrow. Jesus bore 
our sickness, our disease. Some people would look at that and say, well, now, that's got to mean that, that if you've got enough faith after coming to Christ that you will never be sick again. And once again, there's no truth in that. No truth in that. That sickness is a part of a sin-stained world. But yet it is true that one day, one day, we will fully realize our salvation. At this point, those of us who have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, we've surrendered our lives to God. He, he has forgiven our sins. Jesus has become Lord and Savior of our lives. We are saved. We are clearly set apart. We are, we are sanctified and prepared for heaven. But as of yet, we haven't fully realized that salvation because we're still living in a hostile world. We're still living in a sin-stained world. But someday, someday we'll step out of this world, we'll step into the next, and we will go to a place where there is no more sin. And as a result, where there is no more death, where there is no more sorrow, where there is no more sickness, where we will never say goodbye to our loved ones who've been ravished by cancer, where we will never bury a close friend because they have had heart failure and on and on and on because those things don't exist anymore. Why? Because Jesus paid the price of sin. Jesus carried that sickness to the cross. Incredible blessing. Jesus paid the price of sin. Number two, when we come to verse five, two words jump out, the words peace and pierced, peace and pierced. Once again, we find this talking about separate parties, peace and pierced. Verse five says this, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Jason had us read a verse earlier, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, which rewords this particular prophecy. Yet the prophecy, of course, given 400 years or so before Jesus was born, now Peter saying it after the death of Jesus. He's seen the prophecy revealed. He's seen it take place with his own eyes. And now he tells us he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. That we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. So Jesus went to the cross. Their sinful men were so angry and despised him so greatly that they nailed him to the cross. Jesus, on the cross of Calvary, died for sin. There's no mistake in that. But for many of us, and in fact, especially those who were alive in the day in which this passage was written, for those who lived through the experience itself, saw Jesus going through this process, they would have been like those in verse 4 when he said, Yet we esteemed him smitten. We esteemed and thought that he had been crushed by God himself. In other words, they would have thought... He's not there on the cross for anything else other than his own sin. He's there paying the price of his own sin. He has rebelled against God in some way, and therefore God is now punishing him for what he has done. But 
the truth is it wasn't for his sin that he was dying. The blessing of the gospel is that Jesus died on the cross for our sin. Jesus died on the cross to pay the price of what we had done in rebellion against God. What an incredible concept. And in dying there on the cross, in suffering as he did, Jesus made it possible for us to have peace in this life. Peace. Now think about that. Why peace? How did Jesus provide peace? Jesus provided peace by giving us the opportunity to be right with a holy, righteous, all-powerful, almighty, all-knowing God. Jesus gave us the right to be correct and in right standing with the almighty God. He made it possible for us to be forgiven of that which we have done wrong in rebellion against God. So that no longer are we standing in opposition to a holy, righteous, all-powerful, almighty God. But now we are adopted into the family as children. That's an incredible concept. We got the peace. Jesus got the punishment. Number three, the third set of wor words coming from verse six, wayward sacrifice, wayward and sacrifice. Verse six says this, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one of us to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Okay, so we have sinned against God. <clears throat> the Bible is very clear. that We are all sinners. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, we have all sinned and therefore fall short of God's glorious standard. It also tells us there is none that are righteous, not even one. That there is none that seek after God. It is God who seeks after man. So as an understanding that we were the ones who had sinned against God, it is a fact that we had abandoned the way of God. We have chosen to go our own way, to take our own path. And here's where the irony kicks in for me. We sin, and we know from reading other parts of Scripture that there is a price to be paid for sin. The Bible says that that price is death, spiritual death, physical death, but spiritual death, eternal separation from God. Eternity in a place called the lake of fire where we will pay the price of our own sin. We know that place exists. So then in our minds, the expectation because of our sin is that we will pay the price of our own sin. But the way it actually turns out is so radically different than what's expected. Because instead of us paying the price, instead of us dying for our sin, instead of us being sacrificed for that which we have done against the holy God, Jesus did it for us. What an amazing concept. 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake, He, God, made Him, Jesus Christ, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that we might, be, so that we might become the righteousness of of God we might become the righteousness of God so then the innocent was punished as if guilty and the guilty were made right as if innocent 